Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi. Hey, Christopher. Marie. Hey, Christopher. What's up? It's Quarantina. Oh, my God. What a time. Oh, yes. What a beautiful time, Quarantina. What a time to be alive. Oh, man. It's like, I feel like I've just gone right around that bend, just taking that, like, that hard left and just kept going. And I don't, I don't see things, I don't see things improving. I don't feel good. <laughs> I don't feel good. Let's say that. I don't feel great. Um, I don't feel great. You know what? But the sad, sad, scary thing is I feel great. I just don't know if that's a good thing, right? I don't know if feeling great right now is a good thing. I'm like, this is great. I'm like, mm, I'm oh, drunk. I don't. I don't feel great. No, no, I don't. Um, Maybe so. You know what would make us feel great, Marie? Hmm. Joining a cult. <gasps> oh my God! You want to talk about what's missing from our lives? It's a, a it's it's a charismatic leader who can tell us what's wrong with everything God. we do and how to be happy. Oh, and how God, to get I would just give my right leg for that. Yeah, yes. and how to get like brought into space with them to the ascended or, masters yes. or whatever. Yes, I I need to be. I need fulfillment. And I need to be self-actualized. And really the only way you become self-actualized is you have somebody tell you how to do it. No, yeah. I need yeah, we need mm-hmm. to lean into the cult. Gotta lean in. We need to lean, lean into in. it. Lean in. And also we need to be agile and also get our six sigma. Pivot. Belts. We gotta yes. pivot into that cult. If there's yes. a cult, we gotta pivot into it, but we can't pivot out of it. No. Because right? that's not what a cult's about. You lean no. in, but you don't so, lean out. Right. So we need to dialogue and then we will uh scrum. Mm-hmm. We, we need mm-hmm. to pick a scrum master. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about cults. Jake, roll the tape. So last episode, we talked about the church of Enot, which uh, turns out was just animal crossing. <laughs> Did anyone guess that? I don't know. No one. Well, no. Well, this is recorded before that, Marie. Oh, that's true. So we don't know if anyone. So if you guessed it, if you were listening to it and you were like, huh, this sounds an awful lot like a game that I have dedicated, you know, 95% of my working (laughs) day to. (laughs) At least 60. Similar. At least 60% of my productive hours. You know. Why does this feel the same? If anyone, if anyone does guess it, I think we should send them like a prize pack. Oh my god! Cool. If yeah. somebody guesses, if somebody's like, "Are you idiots talking about Animal Crossing?" Then yes, absolutely. Yeah. you get some. You get some serious love from us. So the reason we wanted to do kind of a funny episode on Animal Crossing, both because Marie and I have been sucked into the island lifestyle. Like I haven't worn anything but floral patterns for a month. But wait, I gotta um, stop everything right here and just give you some legit props because I did finally visit virtually visit your island. And I have to tell you, like, first of all, it's a metropolis. It's not just an island. It's a bustling metropolis with a healthy port. Like you, you have you, you're importing and you're exporting. You can tell you have an infrastructure. 
Uh, there is a community. I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, my island, there's just junk laying around it. Okay. <laughs> the funniest thing, the funniest thing was not only did Marie visit, but Marie visited with her family. So her <laughs> husband and her daughter also visited. So Marie's, Marie's wonderful family visited my island. And probably the funniest thing was hearing your, your kid in the background be like, oh, our island sucks. <laughs> so funny. And then at some, at some point, I forget, so mad I forget what I had. I had something like it was not, it was not cool. Like, I, I think it was like a cooler. I had a cooler on the beach. And mm-hmm. as we're walking on the beach, I heard in the background on your microphone, oh, he has a cooler. <laughs> I was like, why is the cooler the thing? Well, I don't. You know, like, yeah, like, my daughter was so... <laughs> so into incredibly, it! Like, you were incredibly impressive to her anyways, just before with, like, the whole science, and you're funny, and you're relatable. Um, but now, it's, like, virtual you. You are, like, you have all these costume changes. Like, he had, like, five or six costume changes during the entire time we were there, which was epic. And then, like, she was just, like, we... It's, like, she's she's still playing the game, but now she's more, like... Like asking me, like, what are what are we achieving? Like, what are we doing? What are we, you know, what's what's going on with this? What's up with that? And I'm like, look, man, can we just like again, just trying to enjoy ourselves? Nope. Right? Can we just have some fun on this island? So I think nope. so. I think the thing that really set it off for you that this game was a little bit more. So okay, we're we're obviously having fun with the game. We love. Yes. We honestly, I love Animal Crossing. I have. I kind of do too. It's one of my favorite game series of all time. I've, I've probably besides like the Elder Scrolls, and maybe Assassin's Creed. I want to say the next game that I've spent more time in is probably Animal Crossing. Maybe Zelda. Maybe like the Legend of Zelda series as well. Um, if you include like randomizer and stuff. But anyways, so Animal Crossing. The funny thing about Animal Crossing is it's it's very much so like if if anyone in your life did the things in Animal Crossing that your character does, they would be tremendous red flags. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, you follow a charismatic leader with his weird family onto an island, a deserted island someplace. He makes you work uh, for his own currency. Um, you're trading in like antiquities. You're, you're selling fossils and stuff. Right. They're yeah, going there's... someplace. You don't know where. Um, yeah. Travel. There's no outside communication. No, traveling and out of the island is hard, and that's mostly because Nintendo's internet service is terrible. But, like, you know, traveling Still. and out is difficult. Like, it's still, you know, mm-hmm. it's not easy, right? Mm-hmm. And so I got to say, I think we were pretty smart in all of our little tidbits and things. You're going to find a lot of Easter eggs. If you lick, if you listen through that episode and start looking for, for hints and stuff, you'll find mm-hmm. some good ones. Enot is the Russian word for raccoon. Um, and uh, what do we call it? What did we say his name was? Coles. Or to- or, uh, uh, it was a. Uh, it was. Um, uh, it was. Fo- it was Fedor. Foma. Yeah, Fedor, Foma yeah. and Fyodor. So yeah. Foma is the Russian equivalent of Tom. So his name is Foma Enot, which is Tom Raccoon or Tom Nook, because um, it's Tanuki in, in Japanese. Anyways, so but the thing that's interesting is so we're we kind of like jokingly talked about cults, but cult belief like if this is the time that someone becomes part of a cult. Like this is the time, this is the time period where people are stressed out. They're financially, um, they're in financial trouble or very strong financial uh, dire straits. They're being pressured in in, uh, socially in different ways than they would expect otherwise. Um, And they're feeling isolated. 
These yes. are this is kind of like the the perfect soup for cult belief. Yes. And interestingly, recently, um, a friend of the a friend of our show, MJ Benias, published an article in Vice about two very prominent UFO cult leaders, um, David Wilcock and Corey Good, who swear they're not cult leaders, guys. They're super serious. But <laughs> please, please attend the seminar on the blue avian menace and how uh, Corey and David are the only hope humanity has left for the end times. Yeah, um, we should talk about that one more. I just, I love anything that has deep state cabal. In it. Well, what's cr- my three favorite words put together? Well, what's so good? What's crazy is <clears throat> they actually. So it, we're all laughing about these guys that they're ridiculous and their foreheads are ginormous and everything else, but um, they are like a fundamental foundational part of the QAnon conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. The stuff that they've been talking about is 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 popular yes. now. A lot of people yes. believe that stuff. Although maybe they don't believe all of it. They don't believe all the alien stuff yet. Yeah, you don't have but to. But all the all the yeah. structure, all the structure is there. And yeah. if you're sitting there thinking like, well, these are two cult leaders that I'll never have any exposure to, incorrect. If you've ever watched an episode of Ancient Aliens, David Wilcock is a regular feature on Ancient Aliens. Um, he's regularly featured in that show. So this is a person whose views are uh, dangerous, who yeah. um, is taking money from people who are vulnerable, vulnerable in different ways to give yep. him money yep. um, and selling a crazy idea. Right. So and it's a question. Oh, yeah. It's a question that we as a show and just us as friends have grappled with a lot <laughs> when talking yeah. about topics like this. Yeah, I think it's I think it's hard because whenever you talk about conspiracy theory or you talk about sort of the next evolution, like I almost look at conspiracy theory as something that is it exists in all of us, right? The the conspiratorial mindset. We have beliefs that we lean to that give us comfort when we are challenged by something. Um and that is almost a survival instinct, but that also can be manipulated. And mm-hmm. used against us. And that is almost more like what a cult taps into. And I think what's so hard is is uh, it's so hard to see these things. And I think you and I are both like, are you kidding me? But at the same time, it's like there, that's – there's something in it that is appealing and that is, you know, that is persuasive and then I start thinking about like, well, how do you like, how do somebody challenge a a conspiratorial mindset or a cult, right? How do you deprogram mm-hmm. somebody from believing something like that? Because then that's like the logical, one of the logical next steps is if somebody's in this or you, how do you challenge these beliefs, right? Because that's really something that is not easily done. Absolutely. And so, uh, it, Sorry, I just went out down the deep. I just went down a rabbit hole. No, no, it's all no. It's really good. It's really good. The so it's one the of the ancient aliens. You had to go and say. Ancient I'm so sorry. Aliens. You so, had to invoke it. So the <sighs> sorry. What we're talking about here. So we wanted to get into. We wanted to get into cult belief, how it happens, what differentiates it from a religious belief, 
Mm-hmm. And also, frankly, just how how can someone go in there? You know, because Animal Crossing is an interesting case where we all kind of bought into it because it seemed fun. You know, and mm-hmm. it is fun. It is fun. It is fun. You know, it's super fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those same escapist feelings that we have mm-hmm. are the mm-hmm. feelings we want to have to play that game and, and get on this island and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the same feelings that are being used and manipulated by cult leaders like Marie is talking about. Yeah, which is fascinating, too. It is. It is. So, um, first scary. off. Well, so first off, like, what do we mean by a cult, right? Um, it's, it's actually a really hard discussion. Um, new religious movement tends to mean something that is like a, so we used to call cults anything that was like a small religious movement, you know? So there was like Mm -hmm. a cult of Sekhmet or a cult of, uh, I don't know, cult of Mary Magdalene or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. They were these religious groups that kind of had no real leadership, but were kind of loose and whatever. And so based on that definition though, essentially all of, um, Christian, religions would have been cults and I don't mean Catholic religions. I mean, Christian, like evangelical Christians, right. Um, Mm -hmm. or, uh, Lutheran or any of those reformation styled churches, right. Splinters. Yeah. Yeah. All the splinter groups. But today cult has a negative connotation, obviously, because of all the murders. So yeah, it's cult, right? Yeah. 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 So it means cult really means something in my mind, at least a cult, has specific structures to them. And so an agenda. Yeah. So a cult has usually has at its center, a charismatic leader, but at the same time has a foe, what's known as, so this sociologist had this idea that it's called epistemological individualism. Yes. So in other words, the cult, the cult authority or the, the cult gives you the illusion that the main authority of everything in your life is you. That it's all about your problems. It's all about your issues, all about your stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really ask you to do a whole lot at first until it does. <laughs> well, it's your individuality is like you're special. They found you because you are a special person. Yes. Right. You see things differently than all of the other people around you. And that's what makes you special. Yeah. It's it's the height, this height of sort of this individualism that gets you sucked in. Right. And so there's kind of, so there's a couple of ideas here. There's, so the the cults, the general types of cults that we think of are like doomsday cults, which you've, I'm sure heard of and know about, um, a self-destructive cult. So that would be stuff like, um, like, uh, Jim Jones and the people's temple, Mm -hmm. um, a polygamist cult. Um, so a cult that's based on like, sexual freedom or, or sexual, not really freedom. Freedom's the wrong word. Um, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, and these things can, you know, the Venn diagram on this stuff, they got a lot of overlapping, right? Like you'll have a lot of, of, you can have doomsday and polygamy in the same cult base. Yeah. I guess, you know, yeah. And then there's, so yeah, there, there's a lot of overlap here. It's hard to, it's hard to differentiate. Then you have political cults and then of course cults based on race or cults based cults based on like terrorist feelings. So that would be like Am Shinrikyo was a terrorist cult. Yeah. Shining path. Right. Now, mm-hmm. one thing that's interesting with cults is that they all seem to eventually have a, a, a leader, right? The charismatic leader. Yes. 
there's a couple of things. There's a couple different theories on how cults develop and how cult leaders assert authority and things. The one that I think is the most interesting is by German sociologist, Max Weber. Um, he called it a charismatic authority. So in other words, a cult is a group in which leadership is determined by the charisma of the leader themselves. So there are structures and things, but ultimately if the leader isn't there or if a leader isn't uh, put in place in some way, the cult will just disappear. Mm -hmm. So he talked about charisma and what he meant by that was um, he, he said, quote, a certain quality charisma is a certain quality of an individual personality by virtue of which he is set apart from ordinary men and treated as endowed with supernatural superhuman or at least superficially exceptional powers or qualities. These are such as are not accessible to the ordinary person, but are regarded as of divine origin or as exemplary. And on the basis of them, the individual concerned is treated as a leader. How the quality in question would be ultimately judged from an ethical, aesthetic, or other such point of view is naturally indifferent for the purpose of definition, end quote. Yeah. So in other words, a person has charisma, essentially, if other people around them think of them as a leader, which is kind of like yes. a no shit argument, right? It's like, yeah, no crap. Okay. Yeah. Someone who's charismatic has charisma. Um, right. But what's important here is this idea that the leader or the person being followed deserves to be followed. Well, yeah, and you can only be charismatic if people believe that you're charismatic. So to get somebody to believe that you're charismatic, you have to you have to win them, right? Yes. You don't follow somebody who you think's an a-hole. Right. <laughs> Necessarily. I mean, that's again like I think if if somebody is telling you, "Hey, I'm special and I, the only reason that I'm special is because I see that you're special and you deserve so much more than your lot in life." And you know, you're you're destined for greatness like me, but nobody else nobody else is going to be able to to do this for us. Yes. We are the only people that can do this. We are like the chosen people to do this. And that's like, again, that's like if, if you have somebody telling you that you're special, that you that you are charismatic, that you're deserving, that you are like all of these things. That's that's rewarding. That's fulfilling. That's something that you or people gravitate to, especially if they are vulnerable at that point in the time. Yeah. And, th and actually you bring up a really important point, which is that Weber here doesn't, he doesn't mean charisma in the way that we think of charisma. Like, like, um, John Stamos is charismatic, right? John Stamos but John, is charismatic. But John Stamos doesn't Jermaine have a Clemens? cult. Charismatic. Right. But none of, but none of these people have cults around them. You know what I mean? No one is going to listen. If nope. John Stamos came out and said, hey, don't. Um, well, maybe some people will listen to him. Uh, we're, we're screwed, Marie. The society is doomed. Um, Dang, that's a good idea. No, but, you know, like John Stamos can't even get me to eat Greek yogurt. You know what I mean? Like John Stamos has no power over me at this point in time in my life. Maybe he will someday. I can only hope. But he has no power now. Um, right. Well, for, or he chooses not to use power right, in that way either, to, right? right. Like, he chooses not to expose. He chooses not to enslave the masses. For for Weber though, um, for Weber though, charisma literally just means the followers believe this person is deserving to be followed. Yes, because they are extraordinary, supernatural, right. given secret knowledge, etc., etc., etc. Yes. So, um. The, the leader who is charismatic, the charismatic leader, has authority within the cult. 
And authority basically means it, it means dominance. It just means that the person is able to control the group. And so yeah. Weber describes this as quote, power legitimized on the basis of a leader's exceptional personal qualities or the demonstration of extraordinary insight and accomplishment, which inspire loyalty and obedience from followers end quote. So again, um, not only is this person, um, you know, wonderful and chosen by God and everything else, but because of that, they're using their powers to help us. Aren't right. they great? Right. Isn't that they're amazing? The only pure, yeah. They're the only people that hear that power or that have that power though. Because even though you're special, you don't get that, right? That's another important distinction is they're the funnel or the the voice or the whatever, the conduit to whatever is the, the thing that is making the, this group special. Right. Yeah, it's right, 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 right. Which is amazing and total BS. <laughs> I mean, so if you, I mean, if you think about like, if you think about it again, it's one of those things where it's like, it's hard. It, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. Cause if rationally you see someone told you, you were going to believe everything someone says down to sort of the governing principles of your life and how you, and how you live it down to the clothes you wear, down to who your friends are and why they're important and what about humanity is important and the books you read and the food you eat and the person you marry or don't marry. I mean, you would be like, oh, hell no, right? So it's sort of like, but that's human nature. Human nature is not one that is, you know, overly, you know, we don't like to be overly prescribed to or dictated to on those things. Like, but we are sold into these things constantly. Constantly we have information or systems telling us how to behave and we respond to them. So I think that's the other thing about a cult leader as well is it's like they're never, at least at the beginning, they're never overtly mandating, you know, thou shall not or thou shall. It's much, it becomes a much more subtle means of manipulation. Well, the yeah, the other problem or the other interesting thing I think the with bells. it. Bells, you're only going to get the miles and the bells. <laughs> the, the other if thing you is. If you pull the weeds. If the you other don't pull thing, the weeds, you're not getting the bells. No, you're not. I'm the sorry, other, but Shep is lazy. He hasn't pulled any bells. That goat has been on my island <laughs> for a week. <laughs> and he's just and he's just Naruto running across the uh, across the courtyard. That's all he does all day. And I'm like, really? Really, Shep? That's all you're going to do, huh? It's just Naruto running back and forth while I fish. Great. I had to I had to get rid of my Naruto running alligator. He was getting a little intense. Um, they all so, do that. It's, it's I know they all. Like, but, like, I know, but some of my islanders don't. A lot of my islanders don't run. They walk. I have a lot of sassy yeah. personality islanders, so they're just like, "Hey, sugar!" <laughs> like it's sweet. It's oh, awesome. I love that. My island's great. That. Um, a bunch of Naruto the runners. Interesting thing. <laughs> the interesting thing about these charismatic leaders, though, and especially mm-hmm. for Weber too, these aren't just leaders of cults. These are leaders of all movements. So think about what Marie just said, right? If you thought that someone would tell you how to dress or how to eat or how to do any of those other things, you'd you'd say, no, no way. I will never let that happen. But people in positions of authority who you have a charismatic relationship to do that with you all the time, right? Again, I made the joke about John Stamos not making me eat Greek yogurt. That's true, but... (laughs) You know what? If in the 1990s, Billy Corgan had said, like, it's cool to be, you know, 
I I did everything the Smashing Pumpkins did. I thought they were the freaking greatest. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There are charismatic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. leaders in all of our lives Mm -hmm. all the time. Well, there has to be. Well, of course there are. A charismatic leader, again, like I look at certain presidents, past presidents, as being charismatic, right? And when they say something, there's a certain amount of, of gravitas or there's a certain amount of validity to it that is inherent to me that maybe is not inherently to somebody who does not have the same political beliefs, but I have an emotional reaction to it while somebody else may not. Right. And I think, and and ultimately the difference between a a normally charismatic leader. Yes. Who is just, you know, like like John Stamos using their powers for good, like John Stamos and someone using their powers for evil. Like again, the, the, the walking forehead, Corey Good and David Wilcock. I don't. I um, don't know anything about their foreheads. This is your second pointed reference about their forehead, and I almost said something the first time, but then I was like, uh, maybe I don't know. Is, do they have abnormally large foreheads? Look at look at a picture of David Wilcock right now. <sighs> I can't. I just can't even bring. All right, fine. And with that, we are going to go to our first commercial break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. What a time. The difference between a normal charismatic leader who's just like the leader of a movement or whatever and somebody who uses it for for evil, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. is because is the is the ability to coerce somebody into doing something that they normally would not do. And that coercion is really one of the hallmarks in my mind of a cult. Yes. Um, so, but how do they get people So okay, you have this charismatic leader Mm-hmm. But how do they turn people towards the cults? Um, there's a couple different answers to that. And it's not super clear because we really don't like, like in our, in our series on um, MK ultra and on uh, the Unabomber, mm-hmm. those tests were to try to understand how you could break someone's self-worth or their image of their self and then replace it with something you wanted. Yeah. Which essentially is what the cults do assassin. successfully. Yeah. Lone gunman, yeah. And it's – but it's really hard. Like we don't really know that much about how personalities develop and everything else. But there's a couple – there seem to be a couple of hallmarks. So the first one – and we're pulling these from a bunch of different sources. But the kind of common ones you see a lot are the idea that they – cults, first off, give you an illusion of comfort. So mm-hmm. like Marie said before, they make you feel special. They also make you feel like you are smarter than everyone else or you are more in tune with nature or with yourself or with the ascended masters or whatever. Right. It gives you the sense that you are important in some way. Another you have one a plan or an identity, right? You have an identity in the cult. It yes. also gives you an idea that, it also tends to give you the sense or this idea that all those difficult questions in life, all those things that you don't really, you know, 
what happens when we die? Uh, am I worth what? Am I worth anything? Am I important? Yeah. Am I whatever? What do yeah. I make a difference? All the big questions. Yeah. Right. All of that is provided by the code for you, right? Like you don't need any, you don't need to think about those difficult things anymore because the leader's figuring it out. You know, the leader's right. do it. John Stamos has got you. You're going to be fine, you know? And because of this, we're getting such a cease and desist. We really are. And so what, what that means though, is that in particular, those with really low self-esteem, those Mm -hmm. without a very good or stable sense of self or uh, self-worth, they're really easy to bring into cults. Yes. But so the one thing that I do remember from, um, from reading some, some on this is that people that are just in a vulnerable position, part of their own lives right so it's like big like big transitional changes um going to college used to be one uh going through a divorce a death in the family um something a big transition that kind of marks uncertainty uh anything that makes somebody feel particularly vulnerable can be a inroad to someone who has a normally a pretty relatively healthy sense of self yes Absolutely. Right. It's someone that. Yeah. So I I don't think we can. I don't think that we can. What's the word? I don't think that we can state strongly enough this idea that Marie just said of. It's someone in a flux. It's it's someone in a period of flux for themselves. Right. I mean, they're in a they're in a period of uncertainty. They're in a period of low self-worth of bad or not stable view of themselves. Yes. Um, What they then do to you. So once they get you in the door, once they get you talking, and cults actually do a pretty generally, they try hard to get the right people in the door in the first place. But then once they get you in the door, they do this thing called love bombing. And so what love bombing is, is they are flattered. They're like, you know, you're so smart. You're so cool. Oh, my God, that thing you did was the best. We've never seen anything like it. We really want you to come to our party Give us all of your worldly possessions. You know, they, they really love, you know, they just love bomb you over and over again, right? They get you to think or get you to feel like this is a group that is the most accepting of any group you've ever, you've ever been yes. with in your entire life. Security. They give you the security blanket. Absolutely. And then what they do is they begin to promote an us versus them mentality. So now you're in this group of people who are really, really accepting they love you for who you are. They think everything you do is great. Why don't those other people think that about you? Yeah, your family, they mistreated you for yeah. so long. Like what's you know, going all on? All they did with was that? make you feel bad. Yeah, Sharon know? is such Sharon is such a bitch. Sharon is such a bitch. Like she what's was, going on with Sharon? She did, she did that to you on purpose because she was threatened by you. Right? Yeah. So it's like it's there is no gray area. Like there's nobody who is kind of, you know, okay to hang out with. That's outside of the cult, right? It's again, it has, it's a clear divide. I think that that's, and again, that's something that logically you would think that you would start to see happening in your own life, right? Like even, I mean, this is an extreme, again, this is right now what we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's an extreme situation, but you feel separation. You're like, okay, I know I haven't been doing something that's normal for quite some time, but there is something within that cult that kind of, is able to put that whole instinct on hold. Like that whole thing of like, Oh, I I shouldn't feel this way about my family. They're not evil people. The people I used to work with and the people I used to socialize with aren't sheep. You know, this is, you know, 
that instinct to kind of reconnect is somehow reverted back to cult behavior. But then on top of that, on top of that, right? So Mm -hmm. now you're starting to question yourself. You're starting to say, well, wait, those people in my life, like you said, Marie, those people in my life, they're not evil. They're not bad. Right. What's going on? Yeah. Well, then you need to go talk to someone in the cult about all those evil thoughts you've been having. Exactly. And all those other evil things you've been doing. The deviancy. Yep. The question. The idea of the questioning. And as you start to deviate, you are humiliated in public. You are caused to self-incriminate. And you're also starting to build a sense of paranoia in that community. Or rather, Mm -hmm. about the community outside of the cult. Because the cult, you don't have any of those bad feelings about the cult members. Right? You've only ever gotten love and acceptance from them. And your family members now, all these other connections outside, they're making you have uncomfortable feelings. Right? Yes. You have to purge. Yes. (laughs) You have to purge. And so eventually what happens then is you are isolated. So the cult leader will isolate you. And um, that's really when anything can happen. That's the point where you're basically, once they get you on the compound, you're kind of, you know, it's not great. Not great. Well, yeah, and I think that that's you know, and I think the thing too is it's like it's not with cults or with anything, including including uh, Animal Crossing. It's not an overnight thing, right? It's not like one day it's this way and the next day it's a totally different way. It's small incremental steps that begin to change your behavior and begin to limit limit the stimulus and the variability in your life, right? So by the time you kind of realize that the water's boiled, you're already the frog. Yeah. Yeah. And so once, and once you're there, like once you're on the compound now, um, you're, you are dependent on the cult. Yes. Right. You're no, it's no longer like, it's not, you know, almost the frog in the boiling water analogy is almost, I don't know. It's almost, it's, it's good. It's a good one, right? <laughs> you know, because you, you end up there and you're like, oh, crap, I'm screwed. But um, you might not even realize, oh, crap, I'm screwed. You're just like, oh, OK, you know, here I am. And now I don't have, you know, you don't have any money. You don't have any connections to the outside world. You don't necessarily have a way to get back. Right. There's no newspapers. There's no televisions there's nothing that's internet you know there's or that if there are it's very closely monitored so it's not like there's a lot of you know again it's just this one isolated perfect bubble but like so what are the so here's a question for this for these uh for these guys that you're talking about uh that mj wrote the article on what is their like what is their compound what does that look like well what's interesting is their, their compound is the internet it's actually re- it's actually really interesting. Oh, that's um, troublesome. Yeah, they and it's not it's not so. Here's the thing too. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not just Corey Good and David Wilcock that are kind of doing this right now, right? I would argue it's almost all of UFO World is kind of feeling this. And uh, frankly, the internet seems to be UFO saying it's all of UFO World. I think is incorrect. The internet seems to be a really good place for people to create. Almost like, I don't know, non, non-nodal or non-centralized uh, cults. So, mm-hmm. for instance, That's there is right. a Facebook yep. group that I'm on that is 
insane. It's com- it's completely like it is scary the things people believe. Oh, is it the one I'm thinking of? It probably is about the Pleiadians. <sighs> Pleiadians. So it's a it's a Give Facebook it up. It's a yes. Facebook group where people believe that they are they legitimately believe that they are aliens, uh reincarnated into human bodies. Yes. And the group has no de facto leader, but there are people that cut through the noise. There are people that become kind of like celebrities on these things. And those people start to build followings of people who listen to them and take their advice. And, you know, it's, it's like a YouTube personality for, you know, people with reptilians and their DNA or whatever. Um, the problem or the, the weird thing is that it's this self, um, the love bombing totally happens. The, 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 the self-incrimination totally happens because it's mm-hmm. Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. It's Facebook. You're on there all the time. People can see what you're posting. Um, and people go on there and they'll say stuff like, you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm starting to doubt myself. And then people be like, no, don't doubt yourself. You're totally an alien. Like all of that stuff happens there, you know? And then mm-hmm. you, you every mm-hmm. once in a while will get threads where people mm-hmm. are like, my kids don't talk to me anymore because I believe in QAnon or because I believe in oh. the Pleiadians or because I'm, you know, I, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't go down. We haven't really talked about QAnon. I think someday we should do one on, we should do a whole series on QAnon. Cause that's, that is the perfect sort of the perfect storm. For we so absolutely should. Well, what's, what's, so it's, it's a weird kind of thing where these two, these two guys mm-hmm. and they've, and other, but here's the thing though, too. Other people have done it too. Linda Moulton Howe has done basically the same thing. She has her own thing like that, right? She has her own website. Um, right. What is it, Gaia TV or whatever, right? Um, I am proud to say I have no idea because I have never even looked at that. Haven't gone down that one yet. But, I mean, yeah, no, it's like – and the weird thing is, again, like that quasi – the quasi-religious trapping, right? Like they would never say that they have a religious – or, uh, you know, any kind of a religious or Christian faith-based, but they're not jacking any ride from from any kind of organized religion, right? They would say that 100%. Like, no, we're not, we don't do that. That's not what we believe. But man, you start, you start like reading their stuff and looking at their, some of their uh, nomenclature and their quotes and their propaganda. And it's like, no, they're, they are really, they are really cribbing that pretty hard. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, sorry, I should, I should restate. Gaia is it Linolan House. Linolan House website is called Earth Files. Well, psh, there you go. Sorry, Gaia is one that Linolan House is on all the time. That was started by Jerka Risavi. I guess it's a crazy, it's a nuts, 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 nuts thing. Um, that has a stock exchange symbol and is traded openly because we're all, all about selling cults now. Oh, um, that's some good stuff right there. Yeah. Oh, and here's so here's one that's sort of like that. that we've talked about before. I I've joked with you about before. There is a publishing organization out there and it they have this this um they they they're very big in a new age and there's a lot of this new age, you know, we've gone through it with Black Solve, we've gone through it with a few other, you know, a few other debunkers. Um uh they have a publishing arm called Sounds True. <laughs> right. Which is like, again, I'm in this bookstore in um, in Boulder, Colorado, looking and all of a sudden you come into this kiosk, you know, this giant kiosk in this really nice bookstore. And it's like sounds true. And you're like, what? Like, it, again, like right there to any kind of skeptical minded person, you're like, sounds true. 
That's not good enough. Is it true? It doesn't sound like sounds true. It can be almost anything. It could be how you say it, right? So, um, but I'm looking at this stuff and it's like, again, it's, it's like, but it's like that kind of mentality. It's like, do you believe it's true? Does it sound true? Good enough. Check that box. Crazy. So, but I think you, again, like we were saying, you don't get there overnight. Like you don't go in by, you know, by some some books from sounds true just you know from the get-go like that's probably something that is you know almost this evolutionary step in your own being that you're in a vulnerable place or you need an answer or something doesn't feel right or you're being challenged by too many things and it's hard to make a decision or whatever it is and you have something that sounds true oh my god it's it's a hilarious name it's so on it's so on the nose well, and then I'm the I'm the total a hole. But of course, is like talking to the people that work there. Like, what is this? How do you have this next to periodicals like the Atlantic and the New Yorker and the Economist? I mean, and they're like, uh, ma'am. It's <laughs> like starting. We should start a publishing arm called Science Like or Science Ish. Science Ish. Science Ish. Publishing. Maybe she'd be just like, maybe so. Maybe science. Kind of science. Maybe so. The um, sure, you know, one of the I I just so every every uh, second Wednesday of the month, I do an episode of Reality Paranormal with Dave Scott and William Poland and Chris George Zuger. It's like a, a you know paranormal themed radio show, but we kind of use it as a time. Dave uses it as a time to bring on skeptics and people like like myself, mm-hmm. um, to talk to people and give them. He calls it like the not you know not the woo right the real facts about stuff, um. And this week's episode, we ended with he was asking, where do you think all of this stuff is headed? Because he said it feels like stuff is kind of coming to a head or whatever. And, you know, in my mind, actually, the the logical point for a lot of this stuff to go, you know, the UFO disclosure movement, um, the Gaia's TVs of the world, the Earth Files, the Corey Goods, David Wilcox and whatever, the logical point for a lot is the QAnon stuff. Um, is cults. It, it is cult. It is cult leadership and cult di- dissolution, essentially. And if there's one thing the history of cults should have taught us, it's that a lot of the times, the the ending of the cult is not pretty. It doesn't Mm-mm. go well. Mm-mm. And we already see um, violence and other kind of places where, you know people who believe in QAnon or Pizzagate yeah. or whatever um, are being self-fulfilled online to such an extent and yeah. egged on to such an extent that they actually go out in public with weapons or um, you have, you know, uh, people like, like Corey Good and David Wilcock able to use this moment in, you know, of, of high interest in UFOs and in continued public publicity from news stations and whatever Um to trick people into giving them money in my mind. And the thing, the thing that's so interesting to me or the thing that I think is, is so chilling is how easy it seems to be for all of us to fall into these kinds of groups. And, and one really interesting part of that, that I hadn't thought of before, but it's actually very interesting. There's not a lot of like hard data on this, um, but there's a lot of kind of anecdotal stories from psychologists who deal with cult uh, belief. Mm -hmm. Sounds true. a lot of cult, sure. right, sounds true. A lot of cult, a lot of cult followers are atheists. Yeah. They start off as having rejected 
mainstream religion. And you can see how that's possible, right? Mm -hmm. There are people we talk to on Twitter or online who don't believe in God and think that's a made-up story and it's ridiculous and whatever, but do believe in QAnon and the deep deep state. Uh, you know, they're like, oh, mm -hmm. they're not Satanists. They're just uh, pedophiles. Well, that makes more sense. <laughs> you know, oh, the Satanism is, is a step too far beyond. Yeah, you know it's what beyond I mean? the pale. Yeah, you um, come back from that. Right. Or, or, you know, no, there's, those aren't angels and demons. Those are just aliens. That makes more sense. Yeah. How does aliens make more sense than angels and demons? Yeah. Well, it's like any rigid, any, any rigid belief structure, I think that mandates that you have to have an answer and that not having an answer or being vulnerable to questions is weakness is something that the cults Again, the cults just sort of, you know, scoop up, scoop up that mindset. They love that because yes. that's like, you know, it doesn't matter if, you, if, you, if you're an atheist and you're a hardcore atheist and you don't believe, then that's almost as good as, as you know, again, that's as black and white as anything else. Yeah. And so you, I feel like that's almost the same sort of the same sort of uh, or this different side to the same coin. And yeah, I know 100 percent. It's it's dogmatism, right? It's dogmatic yeah. thinking that is the enemy generally of all yeah. of all people. It should be. Yes. Um, And that's one thing that I think is really interesting. You know, me and Marie, like we consume a lot of podcasts. We consume a lot of uh, TV, me media Alcohol. generally. Yeah. yeah. You know, Um, and one of my favorite types of podcasts is true crime podcasts and like specifically podcasts <sighs> about things like, you know, like dark things, you know, serial killers and uh, cults and whatever. You know what I mean? Um, mm, mm, mm. and yes. one of the things I keep, one of the things that's interesting and keeps coming up is this idea that, well, you know, can a serial killer happen, um, in the modern day with Facebook and with these other things that are protecting us seemingly from, you know, someone like Richard Ramirez or, you know, um, David Berkowitz or whoever, right? Yeah. Like, is, is, yeah. is that, is that going to be possible today in an, in an area where we all have cell phones, we're constantly connected to each other, whatever. I don't know if serial killers are more likely, but I sure as hell think cult leaders are more likely. And I think <laughs> that they don't, they don't need compounds anymore. Mm -mm. So the people, the people that we, the people that we talk about today, they got their start years, years before, right? Years ago. Mm -hmm. And the people that'll be running the cults or the earth files or the Gaia's or whatever in the next 10 to 20 years, they're out there now making shit up. Right. So right. please, please protect yourself and your loved ones. Well, yeah. And I think, the, you know, one of the things that I've always been fascinated about, like we were talking about. So you have these cults. Like, how do you reason with somebody? How do you get somebody out of a cult? Because there's no one way, right? Because, again, any kind of you're the enemy, any kind of information you give them is 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 deep state is, you know, fake news is a lie. Um, and is it's, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, you kind of have to keep presenting. It's, it's like flat earth, right? Like to me, flat earth is a cult. It might as well be a cult. You are going to believe something like that. That is so clearly, uh, that is so clearly not something you know, how do you go about disproving or proving that the earth is round? Like, well, you don't have to disprove that the earth is flat. You just have to reiterate again why the earth is round. And I think that that's like with with cults, it's like, well, the reason somebody went into that is because of this 
you know, the, these feelings of vulnerability, like to bring somebody out of that, I think you have to almost show that like the world is not as bad as what they thought it was going into it or what the hope is for them to rejoin, you know, society and the I don't and know. Their family. I don't know, Marie, honestly, the more this is going to sound dark. Oh, here we go. Darkest timeline. You but guys. honestly, well, honestly, though, like the more Darkest the more I think about it. this uh-huh. and maybe uh-huh. it is just the quarantine that <laughs> like in a in uh-huh. a year when we listen uh-huh. to this back. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We're all just we're all just brains in jars. Yeah, no. Well, no, but you know what I mean? Like in a year no, when we listen in a year when we listen back to this, I might think, wow, I was a real cranky, you know, dick that episode. You know I what I mean? Real gloomy. Right, this episode, but you guys. Uh, how can I be a gloopy Gus after that? That was hilarious. Um, the it's the Animal Crossing man. One of the things. What was I even gonna say? I don't know. Oh my know. god, Gloopy oh, you're, Gus! You're listening back, Gloopy you're, Gus you're got like, me. Oh god. yeah, okay. Yeah. It, it, like, um, I almost think I almost think that we don't know enough about how to treat these people or how to deal with those types of beliefs. We don't know enough about it. And so we don't have a good way of dealing with it. So I almost think that the only way to really deal with it is show those people love, but, but defang them, take away their ability to hurt other people. Like, (laughs) like it sounds terrible, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like you, if you know, if you get a Tasmanian devil as a pet, you know, it's going to ruin your furniture. (laughs) Just put him in a damn room with stuff that he can break. At some point, cool. you got to give up the ghost. It's not going to get fixed. You know what I mean? So it's almost like we need, to, we need to put, we need to put, uh, you know, pool, whatever, floaties on these people's edges so they can't hurt us with their stupidity. Well, like, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think like if it's maybe it's okay to be hurt. Sometimes it's okay to have the sharp edge. It's okay to, that we are going to hurt and we're going to be hurt. And we're going to be in a situation that's, that's not black or but white. But that's the thing though. We know, we know if with, we know with people that have beliefs like this, that if they do, all that happens when they're confronted with evidence is they believe their stupidity more. Yes. But I, I think that again, like one of the reasons you go into those things is because you have such a dogmatic view. Right. And I think that saying, or being able to like, save it, maybe there's not an answer. Like maybe you're able to hold two totally different ideas in your head at the same time and have both of them be valid. Isn't confusion. That's balance. That's, that's okay. Like Mm -hmm. I think starting to introduce some of that to people and not have it, have a judgment to it necessarily is something that starts to loosen the knot a bit. That's so tight right now. Because, again, it's like if I talk to a QAnon person, my immediate go-to is you're the problem. You're the problem, man. You're listening to this stuff. How can you? You know, and it's like that just tightens that knot. And it's not – I'm not saying hug them either to your point. Like I think it's like we're almost saying the same thing. It's like pool floaties, but it's like you also have to kind of create the space where it's like you can have multiple ideas. Have them them not – have them be in – have them have conflict and have that conflict not be something that is a destructive force. Hmm. I don't know how you do that, but that's what, that's what Deirdre, my friend on, uh, you know, my dear friend, your animal crossing deer, my, yeah. my dear friend. It's good stuff. Good stuff. She also ends every sentence with whatevs. So, but really quickly on that. So do they all have, do they all have a catchphrase? 
They all they, have some catchphrase. So, listeners, that's one thing too. Marie has never played an Animal Crossing before this one, so I had to explain a lot of things to her because I'm an expert. Everything, everything, um, dude. Yes, they all do have catchphrases. So, um, one of my, one of my, one of my, one of my weird. I have a hamster um, named like Sugar or something. I can't remember her name. Uh, maybe like cinnamon. I don't know. It's some stripper name, but she's hilarious. But she ends all of her stuff with "grr." <laughs> it's like, what is happening? What is happening here? Sugar or cinnamon or Mercedes or whatever. Um, it's great. Or like "erg," "erg." Um, yeah, they all have little catchphrases. All right, dear listeners, we hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, we'll be back. Actually, so I'm going to be moving. Um, yes. so we'll Not be to a back. Compound. Not to no, not to a compound, to Boston. Um, so we'll be back in a couple weeks. This will be kind of our yes. mid-season break, I guess. And uh, and we'll be back soon. So, uh, yes. yeah, we love you all. Take care. We love you. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at madscientistpod or at teamgiantsquid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.